My name is Abby and I get the joy of being the Young Adults Director. And let me tell you why we create spaces just like this. It's because we really believe that there's power in a community coming together as we turn and look at what the gospel would want to speak directly into our lives. And tonight, we're really centering this night around one verse of scripture in particular. So since it's so important, it's one of the many, and by many, I mean the only one, verse that I'm gonna share with you guys tonight. Let's go ahead and read it out loud together. It's gonna be on your screens. So are you ready? Go. They have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. We are conquerors because of Jesus and the power of our testimonies. And the truth is, is we all have a story. No matter where you come from, no matter where you've been, no matter if you don't even know what you believe about this whole God thing. The truth is we all have a story within our life. And when we open up the gospel, we see in John chapter four, a woman who we get to know a little piece of her story. She's sitting at this well and it just so happens that it's the same exact well that Jesus, the son of God is sitting at. And so they're sitting and they're having this conversation when Jesus starts to ask her some questions about her story. And as they get to talking, Jesus starts to bring up those things that only this woman would know about. Those hidden things in the dark that she keeps real close and doesn't tell anybody about. These are the things that Jesus starts to speak about. And I wonder if in your life, do you have any of these things that you can relate to? See, maybe it's those secret struggles and attacks that you face in the night all alone because no one understands what it's like to be you. Maybe for you, it's those secret desires that you're too afraid to ask God with because you're afraid if you ask God for it, you just might get your hopes up. Maybe for you, it's the thing that no one else sees. And quite honestly, you won't let them see it because you worry if you let down a little bit of your walls, maybe someone's gonna turn away from you just like the last person did. These are the intimate things that Jesus starts to speak to this woman about. And the woman looks at Jesus and she's a little bit taken aback thinking, how do you know all of this about me? And so the woman does what many of us do. She begins to deflect. Girl is just a master at changing the subject. Her and Jesus are talking about their story and the woman goes, sir, I see you're a prophet. Well, my ancestors said that you Jews claim that you're gonna worship on the mountain. Now, if you're a little bit confused, you should be because no one was talking about worship or mountains or Jerusalem or Jews. They were talking about this woman's story, but she's just after changing the subject. This woman is trying to change the subject because he's talking about these things that hit a little bit too close when it comes to her story. But see, Jesus, Jesus comes and he does what he does best. He stays and he listens and he bends his ear closer to the woman. And we see that after this, exper this, exper this experience that they had together, hello. After she experiences this, they're sitting and it, the scriptures say that she left all of her belongings and she ran out to the city saying, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? The woman who is sitting all alone at the well, the woman who was once deflecting, is the same woman who's going out declaring. And the question becomes, how did this woman, who was once deflecting a situation about the subject line of her story, then make the decision to go out declaring? And the reason why is because she spent one moment sitting in the presence of God. The same God who loves you in spite of you. The same God who sees all of your mess and says, guess what, I still want you. 
The same God who said, if you were the last person on earth, I'd still give my one and only son to die for you. One moment sitting in the presence of this God of revival changed everything. And it sent this woman going out declaring the very vulnerable parts of her story. See, we serve a God that knows us better than we know ourselves. We serve a God who knows our stories. He knows the cries of our hearts and guess what? He listens and he bends his ear. We know the God who takes pain and he turns it into purpose. The God who takes our weakness and he turns it into our strength. The God who takes our ugly rags and he turns it into redemption clothing. This is a God that we serve. And no matter your story, no matter what you believe you walked in here with tonight, God desires to know you just like that. And there is power in your story because it's how you overcome. This is exactly what a testimony is. A testimony, it's the personal, unique, handcrafted story of the personal promise that God gave to you. It's not insignificant. It's not too small. It's not too dirty or too broken that will stop God or his people from loving you. It's your evidence of God's faithfulness. And see, you have a story within you. But the enemy, he would love nothing more than try to convince you that it's not enough or that you're too dirty or that you're not seen or your story doesn't matter because it's not like someone else's story. But God says that there's a power in your story and you have a story that's unlike any other here in the room. It's a personal handwritten story created by heaven. It's the personal battles that God has won for you. It's the storms that you've weathered together with him. It's the things that you've built in dark places and the pain that you've learned to endure with God. It's the truth that sustained you on how God brought you through out of that situation. And when you stop telling this story, you're just throwing out the evidence of God's faithfulness. And you know, as I was preparing for tonight, I thought to myself, why is it so important to share about our stories? And you know what I realized? I realize that we always have a story going on in our minds. So the question becomes, what story are you listening to? Is it the one where you talk about how God came through for you? Or is it the one where you remind yourself of all the things that you can't do? You have a story within you. Don't waste it. Don't wither it away. Declare it because there's power in your story. So stop telling yourself that you're not enough. Stop telling yourself that you're too dirty or you're too broken. I promise that you're not. Read the Bible, there's full of examples of people that messed up and lived just as we did. And start telling yourself of the mercy and the goodness and the graciousness and the kindness about your God. Because the truth of the matter is that great testimony isn't something where the story is all completed. No, the best testimonies are where you recall the evidence of God while saying you know that he's not done yet. There is power in your story. And we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. So here's what we're gonna do tonight. The worship team in a moment, they're about to lead us in this song, God of Revival. And we wanted to give you guys a moment where you can hear four incredible guest speakers, young adults who sit in this very room every single Tuesday night with you. They're gonna get up here throughout the song and they're gonna share with you their personal testimonies of the faithfulness about God in hopes that it will encourage you that nothing is impossible for the God of revival that we serve. So go ahead and stay seated. Let us sing these lyrics over you and listen and tune your hearts to what the King of heaven would wanna speak to you tonight.
Let me pray for us. Well, Father God, we come before you today. And God, I thank you that you are the God that sits with us, that you are the God of revival, that there's no dark night that you can't light up. There's no story too broken that you cannot step into and change everything, Father. You are a good God. You are the God of revival. And Father, we trust you. We've seen what, we can, what you can do, God. We trust you with these moments that we get to declare your faithfulness together. It's in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus we said, amen. And this is my testimony. In the summer of 2019, I partnered with a church group on mission at a local school. I volunteered alongside a great group of people, but on this team was a girl. At this time in my life, I really wanted to be in a relationship. 
I had not been in any Christian relationships before, uh, and I hadn't experienced any success in previous relationships anyway. I had found starting a relationship very hard for me. I was not good at fitting in with the classes at school and the social groups, and getting anyone to notice me was tough, and I felt outcasted when it came to the dating game. Nevertheless, I really felt an attraction for this girl on the, on the mission team. I spoke honestly about my heart and how I felt. I wanted to be in a relationship with her. She took notice of my heart and we started a relationship and things were going well. We would get together for dates and we'd go, I would go to her church from time to time and we continued in the ministry at that local school group. A few months later, she invited me to her house to meet her family and especially her father. I really enjoyed talking to her father. I could tell that he saw value in me. He would listen to what I had to say. He was impressed with my character and my choices in life. I valued this relationship with her father highly. I was open and honest with her dad. Now it's paying off for me. The relationship between me and this girl was something I had started. I thought that it was going well. This relationship also meant that I had figured out the relationship game. This brought me peace and security. I had found what I had been looking for, and I felt that I had started something that would last a long time. However, not long after, things became a little complicated. I wasn't sure what was going on, but something just didn't feel right. One February evening, she sent me into my darkest of times. She called me and she told me that she wanted to be friends and she didn't want the relationship anymore, saying that I was too clingy. This wrecked me. I could hardly find myself not thinking about what a huge loss and hole was left in my heart. I felt extremely sad and lonely. Focusing on life and work at that time was very, very difficult. I found myself when I was driving, missing turns, forgetting where I was going while on the way. Even still, at this lowest of this time in my life, I hit my rock bottom. One day, I walked into work and uh, went to the boss's office and he asked me how I was doing. And I said, I'm doing all right. And he said, just all right? And I burst into tears. I had never cried or felt like that in front of anyone ever. I was so hurt. This pain left me feeling empty with no sense of where to turn to find help. I'd realized that this hurt just couldn't hang around any longer. I had to get to a place where I could feel better. See, I knew the answer was God because I'd found him before when I had nowhere else to go. Something about our good God is that he is always there when we go seeking for him. So again, I started reading his words in my Bible, and I prayed for God to show me how he would provide for my future. God showed me this verse in scripture, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 11. It says, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and then your generosity will result in thankfulness to God. This scripture was super unique to me at this time because in that same year, I had the opportunity to become a volunteer firefighter. The number 911 
this big number in the fire department, just like 2 Corinthians 9, 11 was for me in scripture at this time. God had begun to do things in my life at that point. I started to feel better and I started to work better too. God brought a mentor into my life. And in this relationship, I was learning some biblical principles and I was listened to as I shared the pain that I had been feeling. I too had begun to listen to God again. I allowed him to guide me. In this time of my life, I was truly enriched. Opening up about my situation helped so much. There is power when you trust someone to help you through your brokenness. However, the key was that I had to seek God. I also had to trust in his word. Letting the people that God put in my life help me through that time is what got me through to where I am today. God and my mentor certainly enriched me through that journey of 2020. Who I am today is not who I was in those days. As a result of allowing change to happen in and around me, I've become a different and better person. I still have a lot more changing to do. I don't want to walk this road with anyone other than our great God. Because the God of revival, he is worthy and he is strength for me. I can place my trust and my hope in him no matter what happens in my life. Giving my all to him has turned out so much better than hoping in a relationship that I create. Our God can come through for you as well. If you only allow yourself the room to change and be open and trusting to share your pain. For our God, there is no wall he can't break through, no mountain he can't move, and no broken body that he can't save. He will be there for you because he is the God of revival. The darkest night, you can light it up. You can light it up, oh God of revival. Let hope arise, death is anyone relate to me. My story of faithfulness and overcoming perfectionism is boring. These are a few of the thoughts that I've had way too often. My name is Jasmine and this is my testimony. I was blessed enough to grow up in a Christian household and became a Christian when I was six years old. From a young age I genuinely saw the value in growing my relationship with God, which I'm so grateful for because that very relationship carried me through the trauma I faced in my childhood. There was a moment in my early teenage years when my parents were caught up in a cycle of separating and getting back together due to an addiction that was trying to take out my dad and my family. All of a sudden, I felt like this issue between my parents was a problem that I had to fix myself. And after I made up in my mind that I needed to control my circumstances to keep myself safe, it led me down a path of trying to be perfect in order to keep the peace. I thought to myself, if I can just say and do all the right things, then maybe my parents would stop splitting up. And this caused me to take on the identity of a perfectionist, an identity that I never realized that was so heavy to carry. My perfectionism was a badge of honor that I carried over into my physical and spiritual life. I was a chronic people pleaser, 
I never wanted to show negative emotions, and I felt like my life didn't matter unless I was helping someone. The same way I treated the relationships around me trickled over into my relationship with God. I would think, if I just read my Bible more, or if I just prayed more, or if I just served more, then I could earn the approval of God, and then He would love me. Not realizing that God's love isn't based on me, it's simply placed on me. Fast forward to adulthood, I couldn't shake my perfectionist and striving tendencies. I got to a point where I was so busy helping others that I forgot to help the most important in my life, person in my life, myself. Eventually, I had an emotional breakdown on the closet floor. I was feeling the deepest sadness and pain that I had ever felt, and I honestly didn't even know why. That breakdown changed my life forever, and it forced me to look at the hurts and pains from my childhood through therapy. In the process of healing from the pain of my childhood, I so vividly remember God saying, Jasmine, you will not tap into my power that is required for your calling until you surrender your weaknesses. And that revelation led me to my life verse in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And ever since God led me to that verse, God has been faithful to lead me on this journey of trading my perfectionist identity for an identity of a loved child of God who embraces my weaknesses. I stopped acting like I had it all together. I actually asked for help when I needed it. And most importantly, I realized I needed a serious perspective shift when it came to my relationship with God. The most important thing I did to transition from a workspace religion to an intentional relationship with God is to change the way I viewed spending time with God. I no longer looked at reading the Bible as an assignment, I looked at it as a resting place. I no longer looked at prayer as a, th as a thing to do on my to-do list, I looked at it as a safe space to find peace and joy. It wasn't about doing things for God, it was about doing life with Him. He helped me to see that I am more than the sum of the things that I do for Him. He helped me to see that just being with Him was enough, flaws and all. I'm still living out this journey today. Every day I choose to humble myself, surrender my weaknesses, and allow His grace to truly be enough. I'm not perfect, I still have struggles, but who you see today is a woman who has activated power that was perfected in her weaknesses because of the God of revival. The darkest night, you can light it up, oh, you can light it up, God of revival, let hope arise, death is overcome, cause you've already won, God of revival, God of revival. My name is Chris, and this is my testimony. Growing up, I knew about Jesus, but I didn't truly know him. I knew God to exist, but I didn't live and exist for him. I grew up in the church, but never fully engaged and never leaned in. Through high school, life was good in some areas and rough in others at home. But on the outside, everything seemed well. In school, I was an athlete, I was popular, had a lot of friends and a great support system, and I made great grades with the exception of calculus, can't win them all. Uh, point being that during that time, both the good and the bad 
I developed a tendency to look within for my strength and my answers and solutions. Then at 18, my world was completely rocked and my entire identity was robbed from me. I started dealing with major health issues, both physical and mental. I was hit with autoimmune disease, losing about 60 pounds in six months, every day struggling to get out of bed in tremendous pain. But the mental issues were by far the worst. I was hit with depression, anxiety, and worst of all, panic attacks, sometimes in excess of 10 to 12 a day. I developed agoraphobia, had a fear of stepping outside of my home, and the liar that is fear came over and absolutely took over my life. When I looked within, like I used to do, those answers were no longer there. I was bankrupt and that strength was void. I wondered, why is this happening to me? If there was a God that was truly loving, where is he and why is this happening? Over a few years, my physical health regained, my mental health began to recover, but my spiritual life still lacked. Fast forward a few years, I was urged to go to church one Sunday for Easter. I decided to come here for New Hope Church, something that I never thought that I would do and get back in the building. When I walked in, I was completely and totally out of my element. The vibes of my previous Southern Baptist upbringing were completely gone. There was no pews, there were seats, there was no old lady on the organ, there were drums, tatted up worship pastors with electric guitars. But for some reason, I absolutely loved it. I walked out that day, and then the next Saturday I said, you know what, I feel like I may wanna go back. So I went a second time, and a third time, and a fourth time. Eventually, I settled on the fact that I wanted to create a goal for myself. I've always been a goal-oriented person. I wanna see something at the end of the tunnel. So I said, for an entire year, I'm gonna be in the house of the Lord, 52 Sundays in a row. It got to the point where it really wasn't a challenge. I loved being here. I loved coming. Every Sunday when I left, I couldn't wait for the next Sunday. But a few months later in that October, a very strange thing happened. I woke up one Sunday morning, and the last thing that I wanted to do was come to church. I don't really know why. I didn't know why. The weather was beautiful. It had been a great week. I wasn't having any issues. It should have been perfect, but I just did not want to be here. I was so close to laying back down on the sofa, checking out and saying, you know what, never mind, forget it. When I remembered, no, I've got a goal and I'm not breaking this streak, I'm getting in there. So I rolled in, not as enthusiastic as normal, grabbed my normal coffee, went to my normal seat, mid left, five rows back on the end. Worship, which was so moving to me, didn't touch me a single bit that day. I remember pastor coming out onto the stage getting ready to deliver the message and he said, I truly believe that if you lean in today, this is a message that has the opportunity to change your life. 
I sat back and I was like, yeah, bro, good luck, not happening with me. How very wrong I was. Throughout the course of that message, I just got absolutely humbled, ego-checked in so many ways. I thought about the type of friend I had been, the type of brother, the type of boss, type of leader, the life that I had been living in, all these areas where I felt I'd previously been so fulfilled, I suddenly helped, just felt this huge void and emptiness. And then the salvation call came. And I knew that the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit was entering into my heart. And that void was existing because Jesus wasn't there. And at that moment, I became saved, and he was. Looking back now, I know exactly what that strange prompting was to return on that second Sunday. It was the Holy Spirit at work. On that Sunday where I didn't want to be here and I didn't want to come, it was the enemy rattling me, making sure I wasn't going to hear the message that pushed me to salvation. But because God knows us so well, because he designed us with his purpose, he knew I needed that goal and that that would bring me here at a time when my heart was open, the message would be right, and I would come to him. Every day since, has looked a whole lot different and my life has been transformed. It's not because that I no longer have pain, because I no longer have stress and I no longer have anxiety. It's because I don't look internally anymore. I look externally to God. When the culture and the world would say, hey, man up, lift your head and get after it. I know that the greatest place of strength is submitted before God on my knees with my head down. I lean in community as opposed to bowing out, and I engage with my brothers and sisters and the people here in this room. I choose what it is that I dwell upon, not on the physical pain and the seen things of this world, but on the things that are unseen and eternal, and, this, and to be able to tell the story of my salvation and of Jesus. Because that is our testimony. It's not private. It's personal, and it's not just our story. It's our story to share and our story to tell because he is the author. And when you have God's hand over your life and when Jesus lives within you, it's something that you can't help but proclaim and share because you can't imagine living without it and you can't imagine anyone else having to live without it either. When the Holy Spirit, the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead lives and works within you, you can't help but shout it and let everyone know about it. And based on where you are in your journey, if you haven't felt that, I just want you to know that my greatest hope and prayer for you is that you get to experience that and that the Holy Spirit works within you as he has done me and everyone else here and so many in this room and that he can become the author of your story as well. My story is one of God pursuing us before I even knew him, as I know he's doing for you as well. It's a story about how the temporary struggles and the pain of this world are just that, they are temporary and they pale in comparison to the promise of eternity that Jesus bled and died for. And because we know, as believers, when we walk with Christ, all things he is working for good 
because he is the God of revival. The darkest night, you can light it up, you can light My name is Marissa, and this is my testimony. When I was growing up, my family didn't talk about God or go to church. I didn't really know anything about God until I went to college. But by that time, I had already determined my self-worth. I thought that my value came from how I looked and how I made people feel. When I was young, I had some bad interactions with people that left me pretty scarred. My friends left me and ditched me because I was too shy, too quiet, or just not what they wanted. People I liked used me to make themselves feel better, and they only wanted me around when I was willing to give them parts of me. Once I went into college, I came to a bit of a crossroad. I had decided to give my life to Jesus and become a Christian, but I was also dating someone who wanted to move our relationship forward physically. I felt like I really only had two choices. I could either say no, not be physical with this person and lose him, or I could say yes and stay with the person I loved and thought I would spend the rest of my life with. So I lied to myself. I said, it's okay, God will understand. I love this person and he loves me too, and we're gonna be together anyway, so what's the big deal? But everything just kept getting worse after that. Our relationship dissolved to the point where we solved every problem that we had with physical intimacy. That was the only time he would stop telling me everything that was wrong with me. That was the only time he would tell me that I did something right and that I was good enough. This mentality continued into every relationship and every interaction I had with men. I felt like all I was good for was making them happy, so that's what I did. Eventually, I got to a point in my life where I just couldn't take it anymore. I hated the life that I was living. I hated the person that I had become. I just felt so disgusted with myself. I was depressed and I just felt hopeless. I wanted something more because this lifestyle, it wasn't truly making me happy. And I knew God was out there. I knew that he was real, but I felt like because of what I had done, because of the lifestyle that I was living, that God wouldn't accept me and I didn't think God would love me. I felt like I had done too much and that he was just gonna reject me like everyone else did. I really didn't know what to do because this lifestyle was all that I knew. It was everything that I was. I didn't have a strong faith to fall back on or any type of faith really. 
and I didn't have a group of people who knew what I was doing or what I was going through. So I just felt isolated and alone. But through it all, God was so faithful to me. God was with me when I didn't even know it and when I didn't even know him. See, I had been living in New York at the time, and God opened a door for me to leave the lifestyle that I was living behind me and move to North Carolina. I knew what I needed to do. I knew I needed to leave, but it was really hard. I was terrified because I was leaving the people who I was finding worth in. I was leaving the one thing that I felt gave me value. It was all I had ever known, but eventually I took a leap of faith and I left. But I struggled a lot. I fell back into my old habits and there were a lot of days where I just kept feeling hopeless. I felt like nothing was gonna change, nothing was gonna get better. And I knew I wanted to do things differently, but I just really didn't know how, I didn't know what to do. I remembered that I used to go to church back in college, so I started there. I started by trying to find a church um, where I could meet people and just be around a better crowd. <laughs> um, and God was so faithful to me, and he was so kind to me because he helped me find exactly what I needed at New Hope. I made some lifelong friends who showed me what it means to be seen and to be loved by God. They created a space for me to share everything that I was struggling with. They listened to me, they supported me, and they just met me with so much love. I can't even explain it. <laughs> and they didn't shame me, and they never once told me how terrible I was. Instead, they told me what God says about me. They told me how in 1 Peter 2.14, God says that I am chosen, and how in Zephaniah 3.17, God says that he delights in me and that he will rejoice over me. They also taught me about God's true character, that he is a God who will never leave me or forsake me, that he loves me exactly as I am, right where I am, that I don't have to do anything to earn his love, and that even when I fall and I make the wrong decisions, that doesn't change his love for me, and it never will. Because these people invested in me and taught me about God, it really made me want to learn more about him too. And so I started in the best place I could think of, the Bible. Um, I did some Bible studies, I joined multiple life groups, <laughs> and I surrounded myself in literally every way possible with people who could help me learn more about God. And the more I learned about God, the more I wanted to live my life for Him. I wanted to have a relationship with the God who died and gave up everything for me. And as my relationship with God has grown, the way that I think about and view myself has changed. I trust and believe the things God says about me. But sometimes my old ways of viewing myself creep back up. And whenever that happens and I struggle with that, I repeat those statements about who God says I am. 
I remind myself that in Psalm 139, God says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That in Song of Songs 4-7, God says that I am beautiful and there is no flaw in me. How in Ephesians 2-10, God says that I am his handiwork. And that in Genesis 1:27, it says that God created me in his image. And don't get me wrong, saying these verses to myself doesn't always immediately make me feel better, but the more I say them, the more I see the truth in them. I see myself and I find my value in God and what he says about me. Not what the world says about me, not even what I say about me, but what God says about me. God has helped me learn and understand why a life with him is just so much better. <laughs> and I am the person I am today because our God doesn't give up on anyone. He is the only one who has been with me through everything I've done, every mistake I've made, and he's heard every word and every thought that I've said about myself. And he loves me just the same. And just like God didn't give up on me, I can promise you that he won't give up on you either. Even when everything is dark and you feel alone, God is right there with you in the midst of your darkness. Nothing will ever, ever change his incredible love for you. He loves you just the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And who I am today is definitely not perfect. I still struggle. But who you see today is not who I used to be. It's not even close because our God, the God of revival, first loved me. Please stand, let's worship. Come awaken your people. Come awaken your city. Oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Every stronghold will crumble. I hear the chains in the See? 
Thanks so much for joining us. Would you just help me one time celebrate our incredible team again?